The first reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, verses 1 to 11, which can be found on page 765 in the Church Bibles. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, say. Reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to bow, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. And then the third commandment, which is printed at the top of your handout. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Super, thanks Toby for reading for us. And let's pray, shall we, as we come to look at uh, that third commandment together. Our Father in heaven, thank you uh, that you are speaking to us through these words given to your people Israel so long ago. We pray, dear Lord God, that we would grasp their significance for us, that you challenge us deeply and encourage us uh, that we might live according to your word today and always. Amen. So you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does it mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? It's slightly old-fashioned language, isn't it? Uh, In fact, our own church translations say you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, which sounds a bit more like everyday English, but it also seems uh, to sound like taking God's name in vain is mainly about blasphemy. Is that the way you've understood it before? Um, Using Jesus' name as a swear word. And maybe you've got a problem with that. Um, I think we should. It should upset us. Um, Jesus is the most... Uh, valuable, most precious person to us. How on earth did his name become a swear word? But it seems a strange thing to put at number three on the list of top ten sins. And I think actually there's much more to this third commandment than just not using Jesus' name as a swear word. Like some of the other commandments, it can help if we turn it around and state it positively. We must honour the name of the Lord. 
honour the name of the Lord. We need to realise the significance of names generally. Names are important. Um, When we use someone's name, we're being personal with them, aren't we? When someone calls you by name, uh, they're being personal with you. Years ago, I had a weekend job at Halfords, and uh, I've still got my name badge. I don't know why I've kept it. Um, I guess it's going to be useful if this old uh, kind of pastoring and preaching job doesn't work out. I can go back to fixing bikes, uh, maybe, but it has my name on it. And uh, I used to find it very strange when every now and then someone would read my name badge and address me by name. I remember the first time it happened and I kind of jumped and I said, do I know you? Names are personal, you see. They speak of relationship. And more than that, they convey reputation. That's why defamation is so offensive. When someone slanders your good name, many companies and celebrities will spend huge amounts of time and energy and money defending their name, their reputation. It's what Russell Brand is doing right at the moment. And it's just the same with the name of the Lord. Do you remember when Moses first Um, came to Sinai and God met him at the burning bush and he told him to bring his people out of Egypt. Moses said to God at the burning bush, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And that phrase, I am who I am, is related to God's personal name in the Old Testament, um, Yahweh. English Bibles usually translate it as the Lord in capitals. Um, In the past, they translated it as Jehovah, and so they realized that was a misreading of the Hebrew. God's personal name, Yahweh, or the Lord, comes with his reputation. A bit later in Exodus, Moses asked God to show him his glory. And God said he would show him his glory. How did he do it? The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. And then we're told he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin and so on. Seeing God's glory means knowing his name with all its right associations. It's not simply a random word a label, it's his whole identity wrapped up in a word, his name. And so we honour the name of the Lord. And uh, Terry's pointed out already, it's the first request of the Lord's prayer. How does it go? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be known as holy. And when we come to the New Testament, the name of the Lord is specified now as the Lord Jesus. In Peter's speech at Pentecost, 
in Acts chapter 2, he quotes an Old Testament verse that says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he uses the rest of his speech to show that Jesus of Nazareth is that Lord on whose name we should call to be saved. And the climax of the speech, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So we must honour the name of the Lord Jesus. It's one of the ways that the Bible makes clear that Jesus is fully God. When we honour the name of the Lord Jesus, it's not just a matter of a right use of particular words. It's about the whole reputation of God on earth. There is no more important topic in the universe than the glory and honour of our wonderful creator and saviour. I hope then that we can start to see why it's so important that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. The third commandment goes far beyond using Jesus' name as a swear word. Taking his name in vain is about claiming to be his when that claim is empty. It's vain, it's vanity. We're just paying lip service to him. I wonder whether we've so grasped the message of God's grace to us that we now use Jesus' name almost just as a lucky charm. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus um, will be saved. And so all we need to do is say, Jesus, save me. And we're home and dry. But that has been the mistake of religious hypocrites down through the ages. Just look again at Jeremiah chapter 7, page 765 in the Church Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 7, page 765. This is God's message to the people of Judah who were coming up to worship at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. That was how you called on the name of the Lord in those days. You went to his symbolic dwelling place in the temple. But they were presuming on God. They were name dropping the Lord, but they weren't living changed lives. Have a look at verse nine. God says, will you steal and murder? commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we're safe. Safe to keep on doing all these detestable things. Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. Do you see how God's name had become to them just a sort of lucky charm, a get out of jail free card? And I wonder whether we use the name of the Lord Jesus in a similar way. When someone becomes a Christian, we don't just want them to pray a prayer and start calling themselves a Christian. It needs to be backed up by a changed life. Jesus' words need to mean something. Repent and believe in the good news. 
Otherwise, in the, in the words of the third commandment, God will not hold us guiltless if we use his name vainly, just using empty words. It's what Jesus himself was driving at in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And the chilling thing for me, actually, is that he's speaking about people who were religious leaders, people who did many good things in the name of Jesus. He went on, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, says Jesus, I never knew you away from me, you workers of lawlessness. The way you can tell whether someone's breaking the third commandment, whether we ourselves are breaking the third commandment, is if we're claiming to be Christian and yet not keeping the rest of God's commands. We've already seen that in Jeremiah 7. Will you steal and murder that's commandments eight and six of the Ten Commandments. Commit adultery and perjury, commandments seven and nine. Burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, commandment number one. And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we're safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. The Apostle Paul makes the same point in Romans 2. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the Lord, do you dishonour God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles, the unbelieving nations, because of you. Why is God's name blasphemed among the nations that don't know him? It's not just because they use God's name as a swear word, it's because they claim to belong to God and yet their lives don't match up. They're damaging God's reputation. This is why Russell Brand's corporate sponsors have dropped him like a hot potato. Regardless of the rights and wrongs of that situation, they now regard him as toxic. He's damaging their reputation. They no longer want to be associated with him. And God is the same with hypocrites. Our lives should be a display of God's goodness. We saw last week that one of the reasons why we mustn't make an image of God is because we ourselves bear God's image. Today we're reminded that we bear God's name if we're Christian people. And so we mustn't do that in vain. We mustn't be hypocrites. We must match up in our lives. Maybe you remember our series on the Great Commission earlier in the summer. Jesus says there at the end of Matthew's Gospel that disciples need to be taught to obey all he has commanded. And I mentioned the words of Gandhi, who apparently said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for the Christians. Our lives, how we live our lives has significance 
not just for us, for our own salvation, but if we're claiming to be Christian, they're saying something about Christ as well. Are they honoring his name or causing his name to be dishonored? The Ten Commandments, the whole of the Christian life, it all comes as a package. There's no simple fail-safe to being a Christian. Just slap on the label and we're home and dry. No, it's a whole life commitment. It's about death to the old life and resurrection to a new life of living for Jesus. How are you doing? living the Christian life. The third commandment challenges us deeply if we're relying on nominal Christianity, that is Christianity in name only. We've had generations of people in this country who have maybe been christened as a baby, that is they've had the name of Christ applied to them maybe ticked the Christian box on forms, maybe who have turned up in church from time to time over the years, especially when they need something, but for whom the commitment to Jesus is little more than lip service. Now, if that's you, I would love to invite you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Get to know this Christ, his name you claim. Jesus is far too important, far too radical, just to think you can keep him in your back pocket like a get out of jail free card. Hear the warning of the third commandment. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I'd love you to join that Christian basics course with Merv and Lynn when it starts on Tuesday night. Or talk to me uh, about some other way forward if you can't make it on Tuesday evenings. Don't stay as you are. Come into full-blooded relationship with our wonderful Lords. It might be that you have much deeper roots in the Christian life. You're in church every week. Maybe you have particular responsibilities. You teach the Bible to others. Maybe you're on the church council. But is God showing you that your Christianity is partial? You're clinging on to aspects of the old life. You claim the name of the Lord Jesus, but you know there are certain parts of your life where you're falling far short. Now look, of course, in a sense, that's the experience of every true Christian. None of us live a perfect life of Christ-like godliness. Not me, not you. The Lord Jesus died so that we sinners can be forgiven. But at the same time, that's not a get-out. It doesn't stop us striving for godliness and grieving at the ways that we fall short. The third commandment should prompt us to search out the ways that our claim to be Christian rings hollow. Where have we given ourselves an easy ride, a let out? 
Belonging to Jesus makes it easier to own up to our sin, to confess openly our need for forgiveness, which we'll do all together in a few minutes, to plead with him to change us. Where are the battles in your life to bring greater integrity, to make more authentic the name of the Lord Jesus for you? I want to speak to you as well if you wouldn't call yourself Christian here today. Maybe you're following along on the live stream. I don't even know who you are. I meet some people who say, and they intend to be very humble, oh, I wouldn't presume to call myself a Christian. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're not saying you have to have your life sorted before you can become a Christian. No, being a Christian means admitting that you're broken, you're a sinner, you need forgiveness. And it means that you found that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. When we repent and believe, we're not claiming that we're now living the perfect life, only that we want to and we know that we need to. Don't let that kind of humility hold you back, stop you identifying as a Christian. Come running to your saviour as soon as you can. But maybe you're further back still, maybe you're completely new to Christian things, completely unpersuaded, you just don't know who this man Jesus is or what it means to follow him. If that's you, I want to do something dangerous this morning. I want to ask you to look at the lives of the Christians you do know. The Bible says that Christians are the image and likeness of God on earth. Not perfectly, but truly. If we're taking the third commandment seriously, we're not hypocrites, but we're genuinely, imperfectly, but genuinely, living out the patterns of the godly life that he intends for us. So look at the Christians you know. This is how it's meant to work. Do the Christians you know live lives of basic integrity? Are their lives essentially lined up with the life of the perfect man, Jesus Christ? When they say they believe, can you see that worked out credibly in their life? For those of us who claim the name Christian, this is what's at stake, the salvation of souls of our own souls, but also of others. This is why Jesus came. Let me finish with the words of Philippians chapter two. You might want to look back over these words later on as you reflect on what we've been um, looking at this morning. Philippians chapter two, the apostle Paul describes how Jesus became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, he says, God exalted him. He lifted him up to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the glorious saving name of the Lord Jesus. Teach us, we pray, to glorify, to honour that name through our lives. Show us, please, where we're falling short, where we're letting ourselves off the hook, where we're living as hypocrites. Transform us, we pray, and show the world Jesus' goodness through our lives of integrity and godliness.